0: People have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian,
1: Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical.
0: Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're going to cite a source, be responsible. You know, cite your source. You're to Colin. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion,
1: is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to set your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girl. And that about sums it up. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin and Caleb Show. The show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and Theology Matters. My name is Caleb Haig With me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? It's
0: going well. It's going well.
1: Have you had a good week, man?
0: Have you had a good week? Yeah, this is an important uh, time of the year where we reflect, you know, we're between, dare I say, Rosh Hashanah slash Yom HaTarua and Yom HaKippur. No, no, no,
1: no, no. I'm sorry. It's Yom Terua slash Rosh Hashanah.
0: Right. Okay. That's fine. We're between seven 7-1 one and seven ten in shorthand.
1: Yes, this is the ten days of, of, awe or the ten days of penitence, right? Yep. There's usually a lot of fasting going on. Have you fasted yet? I am preparing
0: my this uh, mortal frame <laughs> for a fast for Yom Kippur. How are
1: you? How by, are you doing? By
0: there? backing off things. Yeah. And reducing, you know, I, I like a good cup of coffee in the morning. Sure. So I, I'm, uh, upping my, my, uh, juices and vegetables and stuff like that and pulling everything else out.
1: So are you, are you one of the people who, uh, who does a complete fast? You don't drink anything either on Yom Kippur?
0: I, 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 I aim for nothing. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I, I will admit that. Uh, I want to
0: afflict this nephesh.
1: Apparently, I am a heathen and a heretic because I do allow myself one cup of coffee, which could be good or bad. It makes it so I don't get the migraine headache by two o'clock in the afternoon. That's why I back off early in the week in case I, uh, I have that in advance. The problem is, is that since I don't drink anything else except for that one cup of coffee, it actually makes me more thirsty and dehydrates me more. So I'm more thirsty for water. Mm-hmm. Double-edged sh- sword, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I think that uh, – what do you think the point of fasting is? Why, why This is not – this is all ad-lib, by the way, folks. Well, it's
0: – the it, the idea is that you're, you're – it says uh, the verb le'aneh is to – le'anot is to afflict your nefesh. And your nefesh – That means soul is, for those who don't know. Well, yeah, it means soul, but it means your appetite. And so your nefesh is can be thirsty or hungry. Mm-hmm. So when you um, – uh, and as a matter of fact, Yeshua says, uh, don't say – this is in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't say what, uh, what, it, what shall we eat, what shall we drink. And he says, your, uh, is, is not your life more than eating and drinking. But the word psuche there in Greek is, the same, is equivalent to the Hebrew word nephesh so the association of of wanting food and drink is a way of like isolating the nephish and what, what they call afflicting it um, and uh, But why do
1: you think that that's you know, that why do you think that, that not eating or drinking afflicts the soul
0: because it afflicts the, because of the, the other translation for nephish is is your appetite now and so you flit your there's natural things that that the nephish wants right it wants to eat it wants to drink and so when you when you cut those off you it causes a uh it causes you to kind of go wow you you recognize the limits of of that appetite and you want that it's not the end it's not your ruler right you're not you're you're not uh, uh a uh, what do you call it a slave to to the nefesh to See, its I, desire
1: i think you're right i think that there it does there is something that goes along with the idea that our our bodies don't actually need food three times a day right i mean we can go for a day our body's totally fine going for, without food or water for a day no problem um and so it's almost like a, a habit or, I mean, dare I say an addiction of food, even for the normal person. It's just something that we do routine, routinely all the time. And so it's something that we want. But I think there's another aspect to it as well. And I think that, uh, that other aspect, when I fast, I go through all sorts of emotions. I, I guess emotions is a, is a good word to use. You know, I'll be, one moment I'll be, my I'll have that pit in my stomach and I'll think, Oh man, I have to eat. I'm going to, you know, I got to get something to eat. And like your mind almost plays tricks on you. Like, Oh, I'm dying here of, of hunger. And then all of a sudden 30 seconds later, you'll be in a euphoric state of this is wonderful. Why don't I not eat more often? I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're all over the place. And I think those different stages uh, puts you in a different frame of mind to be able to th- see things, uh, uh, different things from a different aspect and to pray differently. Sure.
0: Yeah, it's like the blessing, the, you know, we burqat hamazon. however, you, if you do a traditional, um, you know, a recitation of a song or something, or if you just, you know, like it says in Deuteronomy, you know, when you eat and they're satisfied, you thank the Lord for his, for the food and for the land. And the idea is, at the end of the meal is recognizing that what you just fed your nefesh, right. Um, was provided for that. You don't take it for granted, right? That this is a, a, a gift to us and that we're recognizing it and we're regular thanking uh, the Lord for his provision and the land from which the food of course was, uh, was uh, agriculturally produced, you know?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Can I show you what maybe some people who are watching on YouTube might have realized this? I I was looking at this. Now, this logo on my cup, for those who can't see this, this logo on my cup has been worn off. And now there's just this one little circle right here. I was noticing that this actually looks, now that it's been worn off, on the camera, it looks like the Klingon symbol Hmm. in Star Trek. And little known fact about me, my father and I used to watch... Star Trek, Star Trek Next Gen, every night at ten o'clock. That was mm-hmm. our that was our bonding time. Cool. I think we saw the whole thing. We even and th- this I'm not happy to admit. We even went to a conference one time.
0: A Star Trek one. Star Trek Next Gen. See, I don't even know what that. I mean, next generation heard of it. Yeah. Does that have the Scott Bakula guy in it? I don't know who the spot. guy who played in. He was in uh, Quantum Leap. No, No. 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 Next Gen oh, yeah. is the
1: one with uh, John luc Picard. Picard. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Geordie LaForge, Xavier. Worf, I call him Xavier. Data. Doctor. Yes. Okay, let's get to it. Um, Sorry. You know, I was listening to some of our soundboard <laughs> that we haven't played in so long. Now, you said that you have a Rob's Gematria, but let me see if I actually have... What,
0: what would it be without?
1: You know, I don't know if I actually have Rob's... <laughs> oh, there it is. I do have it. Before we get to that, let's play another song because I haven't... Uh, <laughs> I haven't uh, played well we played this one. Oh, we haven't played this one in a really long time, and I really like this song. All right, uh bear with us people. I know just that we're uh, like, we're no just no having no, 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 we're no, having no. fun here. No, we no. played that last week. Here's a here's a different one. Uh, we're just having fun here, but you're a legend in your own mind. You don't need no
0: education. Your mom goes to college. I think that view he is headed for a deep mischief. Lama
1: good okay that um so
0: wonderful deep voice of dr kaiser yeah
1: you know he wasn't at the sbl last year and that uh, he was headed for a
0: deep, a deep mischief. yes deep um, mischief. Okay. i'd never heard i've heard the word deep and i've heard the word mischief never together deep yes. mischief that's like i, I like it that's like one of we, my favorite i hope journeys.
1: we see him again at the uh, ets you know uh, dr kaiser is getting hey, up there is, in age does
0: he live yeah does he live in the in the northeast maybe it'll be easy and uh, convenient for him to come to Are you North ready North for this? this year.
1: He no. owns a llama farm in Wisconsin. That's what cool. he does now. Yeah. Now I mean I'm I'm pretty sure that him and his wife uh, they ran that together and now that his wife has uh, gone to be with the lord uh, he's now uh, his his some of his children live on the on the farm. And so he just uh, hangs out with his grandkids and and uh, studies and enjoys life, which is, I mean, what better retirement could you have than sit in your office and study all the, all the time? Okay, let's get. You want to do Gamatri? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Every once in a while, uh, we do this. What I'm all about. This one. This one. Uh, the, just. Just for our. Our audience who loves the because gematria. i'm
0: anti because i'm anti hellenist i'm anti greek uh, uh um anti greek thought yeah um and i'm pro hebraic thought therefore gematria which <laughs> is a greek term uh, is <laughs> uh, which comes from greek pot <laughs>
1: Can I just t- tell everyone right now, if you're looking for this, uh, well, they're not going to be able to tell until it's up. I forgot to press record, so I'm going to have to download my own video from YouTube, which means it's going to be a day before I get the audio up. Anyway, okay, here we go.
0: It's Rob's Yeah. <laughs> go for yeah, it. What do you got a, for me today? Is that your voice? Yes. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Yeah, it is. Okay, 189. 189. I've got, I picked out three words that I thought were good. Go for it. Um, the first one is actually an English word that is uh, brought into Hebrew, the word for ambulance, ambulance. And the reason I chose this one is because Love if you've been following you our Facebook, yeah. if you've been following our Facebook, uh, I, I posted a picture and you can go and see. It's a couple weeks ago now. But there was a movie I was watching called The Eichmann Show. Uh, starring the guy who was in the British Office, and he was—he plays like Frodo or one of the baggins in like the new uh, Ho- uh, Hobbit movies. I don't remember his name, Martin something, Martin Friedman. Mar- uh, anyway, he started. Great movie, by the way. It it takes place. The setting is 50s and 60s Israel. Nice with the with the setting up of the trial of Eichmann for Holocaust crimes, crimes during the Holocaust, and. Uh, the Trials take place in Israel, and it's all about the camera crew that was assigned the gig to to record it and broadcast it. It's nice. ma- very, very well done. It's all in English. But there's this one scene where they have an a- the ambulance, and they did a good job. It looks like the 60s and everything. But the Hebrew on the side of the ambulance is upside down. And it's like <laughs> – I was thinking that the, the – uh, I had to capture that picture and post it and say, what's wrong with this Hebrew? And, and everybody noticed right away. You know, it's like they took a stencil and he said, hey, go paint this on the van. And the guy just <laughs> went, oh, okay, that looks good. Uh, and that happened. We catch that in movies and, and things every once in a while. But anyway, so the word ambulance, the way it's spelled there on that, to van, adds up to 189. Hey. There you go. Another word. <clears throat> well, it's just three words, kind of fun. Bonet, bonet, bonet. So uh, bet, vav, noon, hey, three times. So like uh, building, building, building. Or you could say bonah, 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 bona, if it's a girl. Building, building, building. You know, they're working hard building. But the last one I really like, Caleb. <coughs> yes. Chutzpah. 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 Which is a good Yiddish, Yiddishification, you know, of a Hebrew word. Chutzpah. The idea of, of like, gall and, and like, just, you know, brazen uh, uh, determination without regard to to social, you know, you know, what people are going to think or anything like that. It's audacity, right? It's just uh, chutzpah, right? It's one of those words from Yiddish that has spread. And because it's so useful, Sure, probably more non-Jews use it than <clears throat> Jews, I would, exactly. <laughs> I would imagine these days. But anyway, those are our three words. They all add up individually to 189, and therefore they are very significant for us uh, Today, because of that fact.
1: So, this has been Rob's gamatria. I, I should yeah. say, uh, you know, the Robin Caleb Show is brought to you mainly by the generous donations of our listeners. And if you want uh, to help uh, produce this show and help uh, continue this show on, you can go to TorahResource.com and uh, hover over the donate button, or you can go, go to TorahResource.com, hover over the radio tab, go down to the Robin Caleb Show. That's our page, which has been totally redone. Thanks to the efforts of A. Michael Gonzalez here in the office. Thank you, Michael. Uh, it, it's looking good. You can donate right from the page. And uh, and uh, you can listen to and watch now uh, previous episodes uh, of The Rob and Caleb Show. And so, yeah, uh, if you like things like Rob's Camatria, well, uh, then uh, help us out. How
0: Why do you hate The Rob and Caleb Show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered.
1: Okay, I have a hard stop today, by the way, at uh, 10.45. Actually, probably about ten forty. So let's get to some real topics here. Okay. Um, I want to first address a comment that we got on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, I want to address this uh, this uh, question first. We get this question probably about once every two or three months, and we answer it every time. And uh, but I think it's a good enough question that we should do it about every two or three months. So those in the chat room, uh, I'm sure you could probably answer this for me. And I apologize for the repetition, but sometimes repetition is good. This person says to us, "Love the show. I recently subscribed for the show notes as well, which everyone should do." Go to that page on our Resource. I'll hover over the radio. Go down to the Rob and Caleb Show. Right on the right hand side, you can subscribe to our show notes and get show notes every single week. So, uh, good job to this listener. Uh, since I'm a recent follower, I may have missed out the answer to this question: Is Caleb Jewish? Why do you, uh, slash Why do you wear a kippa? Or is that uh, or is it that you adhere to certain rabbinic or extra biblical traditions? Just curious. Thanks. Oh, I thought this was woman. I'm sorry. It's Isaac. Thank you, Isaac. Um, okay, this is a wonderful question. First of all, am I Jewish? That is, it depends who you ask. Um, books and books have been written on who is a Jew, right? Um, I think that uh, according to people like... Um, the leaders of the MJAA, they would consider me Jewish because my father is Jewish. My father has 50% Jewish blood. His mother was Jewish, so he's considered Jewish even by the Orthodox. The Orthodox Jews, and I would say most Jews in general uh, that are observant, would consider me not to be Jewish because my mother is not Jewish. My mother mother is Dutch. Uh, My father is 50% Jewish, 50% Norwegian. And uh, so I have a good amount of Norwegian blood thro- uh, pumping through my veins. However, I believe that uh, bloodline absolutely means nothing, except for that the ordinances were given to the Jews. Uh, you know, what what advantage does the Jew have then? Much in many ways. Um, I don't claim to be Jewish to other Jews uh, because I don't want to start off. On a, uh, on a bad note if they don't consider me Jewish. I'm happy to be a Gentile, and I'm happy to be a Gentile uh, bloodline uh, because I've been grafted into the body of Israel through the Messiah Yeshua. And therefore, I think that I have been adopted no matter what my bloodline is, whether you consider me Jewish or non-Jewish, Gentile, whatever, it doesn't matter, because I am part of the commonwealth of Israel now because I've been adopted in through the blood of the Messiah Yeshua. When it comes to the kippah, and I'm making this quick because we have answered this before, when it comes to the kippah, I get a lot of flack for wearing a kippah. But this ties into the uh, answer that I just gave. Since I have attached myself to Israel, to the people of Israel through the Messiah Yeshua, I want people to know that I have attached myself to Israel. One of the outward signs that uh, <clears throat> is very commonly associated with Israel, whether or not it's right or not, okay, uh, is, is a kippa. Uh, I think that ZZ t- t- should do the job just fine. I'm more than happy to take my keep off at any time. Uh, somebody tells me to keep uh, that they are offended by it, or uh, if it's too hot out sometimes, I'll take my keep out, uh, off. Uh, I will not take my ZZ t- t- off. Um, however, I think that it's important. Now, for me, you know, my father, he wears a keep. We live in Tacoma, Washington. There's not... Uh, there's not a whole lot of observant Jews here. Uh, there is a, a newly built Chabad house. And so every once in a while, we'll see a kippah. I get more questions about my kippah than I do about tzitzit or even about, oh, my, about my Yeshua shirt. And a lot of the time, uh, this is the main reason I wear a kippah is because uh, it it brings so many questions. I get asked at least once a day about my kippah. Um, a lot of the time, it's by Christians, and it opens up the doors to be able to talk about things that I feel are important to talk about, even with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that would be uh, how we're, how we're uh, sanctified, right? We're sanctified through Torah. Um, and so I think that uh, for me, it's, a, it's not only a good tool to be able to open up conversation and to start conversations with people, but it also shows that I have uh, attempted to attach myself, whether or not the, the Jewish people uh, believe that I have attached myself through Yeshua or not, I follow uh, my, my Rebbe, and that is Yeshua. And uh, because of that, I'm attached to Israel. That's the reason that I wear a kippah. Um, and a lot of people would uh, say that that's not a good reason. That's fine. Um, I don't really care. Okay, I think that that's answered. Now, uh, cool. Rob, quickly as well, because I do want to get into. We have uh, two topics. One is going to be uh, worship songs, which is <laughs> this is actually a really fun topic. Uh, The other one is going to be Azazel, and for those who don't know uh, and don't get our show notes, that's in – oh, actually, I didn't put this in the show notes. I apologize. Leviticus 16.8 is what we're talking about, and we'll read that as well. But first, let's go back to last week. Last week, we talked about Yom Kippur – oh, no, I'm sorry, Yom Teruah slash Rosh Hashanah. Is Rosh Hashanah uh, – does that come from paganism or not? Um the answer, I think, that does it come from paganism? No, I don't. However, there's been a lot of my friends who say, well, it might not be pagan. The new year in Leviticus might not be pagan, but it certainly isn't biblical. This is the uh, this is the, the argument. That's fine. I know that people are going to disagree, and, and I have good friends who put up uh, very good arguments. Now, last week we did look at Exodus 12.2. Let's go to it
0: quickly here. I don't think I opened this. Oh, that's this. right. Yeah, I, I, I remember we were going to talk about this. now. Yeah. Okay. Because there's people who say, "Hey, right? Wait a minute, Rob misrepresented that." Yeah.
1: So Rob said that uh, he said that in Exodus 12:2, it doesn't say that it's the head of the year, um, and it, th-
0: this actually sounded so technically, like technically. I don't remember my exact phrase. Yeah. And I I might have misspoke, but I think this is a good opportunity to. So this is what the now, my my
1: buddy Josh uh, said. Well, actually, it does say year. Um, and so let's let's read Exodus 12.2. I'm, I'm reading out of the ESV here. This month shall be for you the begin, beginning of months. Now, this is where we stopped in this verse last week. But if we go on, it shall be the first month of the year for you. Therefore, right. uh, my, friend's, my friend's argument here is, well, of course, this is the beginning of the year because it's the first month of the year. Right.
0: Okay, so what say you then, Rob? Oh, well, we have... Um... <coughs> I need to get the verses. But yeah, if we look at verse two, and I think maybe we didn't spend time enough on it, my key point was just to let people recognize, I think it was response to the Paul, someone's audio, who made it sound like Rosh Hashanah was in 12 verse two. And what I wanted to clarify was, in case people got that idea, that in fact the word Rosh Hashanah is not there. The word Rosh modifies uh, months, not year. Okay. For so, example, let, and it's.
1: Let me see if I can break this down and, and see and restate what you're saying. You're saying that we don't have rosh hashanah, in, that in, phrase in twelve, 12. two. We Correct. don't have rosh hashanah. We have uh, rosh
0: hadashim, right? Hadashim. Yeah. So we have it twice. We have well, we have the word rosh. It says HaChodesh hazeh lachem rosh hadashim. So. The, the month of this one, lachem, for y'all, <laughs> Rosh Chodeshim is the head of months, y'all. You know, and, and then it says Rishon hu lachem. Rishon is just thought to be in parallel; it means the same thing. It is the first. Rishon hu lachem. It is the first for you, le Chodesh Hashanah, for the months of the year. So both the word Rosh, and Rishon used in twelve two modifies the word month not the word year whereas in in ezekiel 40 it rosh hashanah rosh modifies the word shana directly and that's someone might say oh that's quibbling you're making a mountain out of a mohill or something like that but actually i just want to point out that some people might think oh rosh the phrase rosh hashanah is in exodus 12 2. in fact it's not there and uh, one other point on that um but, what, but hang, on, hang on just a sec. would Wouldn't this
1: prove that this is the beginning of the year?
0: No, it's the beginning of the months. It's where you start counting months, the cycle of months. Okay, so I, the I, I, I want to explain has this. D- the word oh. shana has d- it just means annual cycle. So the, the reason
1: I, I think people are confused about this, I, and let me see if I understand what you're saying and then you can correct me or say that I, I've understand, stood correctly. Okay. So the beginning of the months means that this is the first of the months in order. However, what you're saying is that years are counted depending on what it is and when it started. For instance, if you have 365 people and each one of them has a birthday on a different day, each one of them starts their, counting their year according to when they were born. Not according well, to the first good, month. Yeah, you
0: could you could do it that way. Yeah, that's so. The way so,
1: accord, so, if you had th- those three hundred and sixty-five people lined up, each one of them has a each day is a new year for one of those people. I- am I understanding you right? However, right. you would be able to count the months in terms of yes, my year starts in the third month of this year, right? Right.
0: Okay. Right. And and then two other places that we can look in Exodus is twenty three sixteen. So in 2316, in the same book, so Exodus, it talks about, it says, the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. Betzeit HaShana, the going out of the year. Literally, But Betzeit HaShana. And also, let me see, where was the other one? It's in uh, Exodus 3422. Uh, it says, Chag HaAsif B'tekufat HaShana, in the turning of the year. Right or in the uh, at the turn of the year, so it, it's called the going out of the year, the turn of the year. So these are these are the nouns used to modify. These are the modifiers for the noun shana that we find in the book of Exodus. Um, and so shana, I I my point is that shana has some flexibility in the Bible, and uh, and I and, and so because of that, I'm able to hear the idea of Rosh Hashanah, and understand that the rabbis have a number of different things called Rosh Hashanah. Um, if you look in the Mishnah, there, there's four of them, and then in the Talmud they argue that there's even more, because they're argue, They're just saying there's all these different cycles that are going on, and, and we've talked about it. it's like a civil year, you know, it's like the year the school year starts in the fall, right? Uh, we say it's the 2017-2018 school year, and, and we know... You know, it just seems like in Leviticus that the jubilee is declared from the seventh month. Okay,
1: but it, that, I, let, let me let
0: me just— And there's, there's just different ways that just make the word year. And in Hebrews, it says that there's a memorial for sin every year. Well, it's talking about the seventh month, a yearly thing that happens in the seventh month, which implies another way of thinking of an annual cycle— Apart from the counting of the months. So, That's what I'm hoping to be able to clarify. But, but I, my viewpoint is to separate those a little.
1: I think what the point is, though, is that you don't have – and uh, even the even the Ezekiel passage my friend brought up that uh, it seems if you continue to keep, go on in this continued narrative without you know going by chapters, but in the continued narrative, it seems like it might not necessarily the, – the Ezekiel 40 passage might not actually be talking about the seventh month. With all that said, I think the main point that the uh, people who are against the idea of Rosh Hashanah in the seventh month, I think what the actual argument is, is more that we don't see in the scripture the term Rosh Hashanah, except for in the Ezekiel 40 passage, and that certainly could be debatable whether or not that is actual. It is.
0: They are are scholars. I think uh, Daniel Block does a great job of painting out both sides. Daniel Block, whom we have hold in high regard and and respect, and we benefit from his, his scholarship, is uh, is convinced that it's talking about Nissan. That Ezekiel forty is talking about uh, Nissan. He and he's got other people, of course, that are on board with that. Um, so and just Caleb, one other thing. This is just like any time where the Bible has a term that's used only once or not at all, but then it's an idea you know that we want to use like Christianity or Judaism, we can get uh kind of all over the place because there's it's difficult to to anchor it. Um, I personally pardon me I personally don't have an issue calling uh Yom Teruah uh Rosh Hashanah, but that's probably because I have a contextual basis that doesn't trigger uh a response like this is wrong. Triggered. And so I can, I think other people who who don't like it. Certainly, I wouldn't use it in front of them if I knew someone didn't like it. I would try to, you know, I'm not going to deliberately try to stir up noise with people. But, um, and I, I one thing for sure, I disagree. Whether it's Nissan or, uh, or Seventh Month, First or Seventh Month, I think New Year is the wrong translation. New Year is not a, it's, it's not an accurate translation. It's Rosh Hashanah. Or what we do have is Rosh Chodesh. And we might say, "Oh, it's a new month. It's a new moon." And we use the word "new." Um, and I'm like, you know, with Hodesh, I would, because Hodesh comes from Hadash, which can have the sense of meaning of of new. But Rosh Hashanah, there's no word "new" in there. <clears throat> so anyway, all these things come to uh, our inability with language, our limited knowledge. All these things kind of are exposed at these kinds of moments
1: you know I started uh, my son is uh, four turning five soon and so we started homeschooling this year one of the things that I do with him every day is I sit down and we've created a calendar we've made a calendar he got to color the front of it and now we have a calendar it's a calendar that has both the uh, the Hebrew calendar the calendar, yeah, and the, no. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and the and the Gregorian calendar on it. <clears throat> and so I'm trying to teach him, okay, well, this is the first day of the week. What day is that? Well, you know, in the Gregarian calendar, we call it Sunday. Um, you know, Friday is what? It's Arab Shabbat. Saturday, we call Shabbat. You know, these kind of things. And so trying to get him to be able to use a calendar and whatnot. I got to say, I didn't. Follow a Hebrew calendar on a regular basis. You know when the, the festivals are coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know these kind of things. You might cite the new moon. Some people probably don't. They just skip over it. But when you have to sit down every day and say, okay, well, the, you know, this is the Hebrew uh, date and this is the Gregorian date, you really actually start to see, you know, the scope of, of the Hebrew calendar. Uh, I mm-hmm. encourage people to do it. It's, it's, uh, it's worthwhile to sit down and just note your days in both calendars. So that you know where you are in the Hebrew calendar as well. Okay, let's move on. Um, okay, let's go to worship music because this one was really really fun for me, um, and I think it's because of the writing. Uh, there are some uh, good scholars and some good Christian uh, men who have who have their own blogs. It's kind of like a community. One of them has a blog. They all know about the other person's, you know, the other people's blogs. So they write something, and then they they tag the other blogs, and then the other guys kind of pick it up and write about it. The okay. first one in your show notes was done on the, uh, <clears throat> okay, the, this person created created a meme, uh, and it, the, the, the title of the blog is CCM, which stands for Contemporary Christian Music. Praise songs we have trouble with, a meme. That's the name of this. And this is done by... Um, Resist daily i'm not I, I forget who uh, anyway uh, they, they'll note it um, so he's he did uh, days of Elijah, which I'll we'll get to in a second uh, then uh, he tagged this person this person I'll read the entire post because it's not long uh, so same uh, name of the post this was done back in February of two thousand eleven now Rob well oh, that's two thousand eleven I thought that was more new but oh, okay so so rob Rob has encountered. Uh, uh, some uh, well,
0: let me share. Let so so yeah, on, some kickback on, and then on, sh- share, and then we'll read this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so Go on ahead. Shabbat Shabbat Shuvah, which is the you know traditional uh, marking of saying this is the Shabbat between Yom Teruah and Yom HaKippurim, right? So there's if there's a festival or a, or a Shabbat in the middle of the festival week, so called the Days of Awe, that's called the the Shabbat of Repentance, right? And traditionally we read the last chapter of the book of Hosea, which is Shuvah Yisrael, right? Return Israel to the Lord and, and uh, take with you words, it says, right? It says, we will no longer say to the works of our hands, Eloheinu, we will not call the works of our hands Eloheinu, etc. Right. and we read that. Well, it's a call to repentance, and so as, uh, as part of our, you know, I'm one of the worship leaders, so I chose this classic song, um, blow the trumpet in Zion. So maybe you know you've heard the song. It's really upbeat, kind of in that minor key, though. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. I was gonna Down grab a clip I'm on my holy mountain, and you can do it in Hebrew. bet Zion, Zion. behar Right. Tiku <laughs> Right. So it's below. We do it in higher key. Right. Don't. Don't give me that look, Caleb. I'm trying. No, to no, no, no. I'm just no. having. No, I'm, so.
1: no, 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 no. I'm just. I'm just having flashbacks <laughs> of parachute pants and MC Hammer. Because this. I mean, this is the '80s.
0: I mean, manifested in in worship but, music. Go ahead. Okay, but I really like the melody. Okay, so it's Tiku Shofar Bitzium. Blow the shofar in Zion. Sound the alarm. Right. Bahar Kudshi in the my holy mountain. Okay, so but- who's saying? Okay, wait. So, hang on. Be, be so, before you before you get to any of that, t- just you you had so some looks. Someone, someone sent an email later who attended the service. They sent me an email later saying they were surprised and and um, saddened that this song was part of the worship. And so here, I had no idea that that was happening during the actual uh, during our worship time. I had no idea there was someone out there thinking. Man, I can't believe Rob doesn't even know what these words mean. Okay. Singing, he's telling people to sing them. And then, so um, this person then kindly said, you know, have you considered that these words could be not something we want to sing? And here's a link that best explains. Uh, Perfect. Now let's go. And, and then also, there was another note that this has been known for a long time. Like, people have known that this song was problematic for a long time. And I'm like, OK. So I went and I read this website and I shared it with Caleb. OK, so this is from Jason Staples.
1: Um, and Jason writes, Rod Ale- of Alexandria, he's the guy who who did the uh, uh, um, Days of Elijah post. He said, Rod of Alexandria has started a new meme asking bloggers to name that one contemporary praise song that just drives them bonkers. Here are the rules. And this is from the original post. Please try to name one. I know there are so many to choose from CCM praise songs that you find unbearable and at least two to three reasons why pointing to specific lyrics, if you must. Uh, going on now with Jason Staples, he says, Rod, so
0: that's that's
1: yeah, he he writes very well, actually. I mean, this guy writes well. Rod picked Days of Elijah to start things off, and the meme has since been picked up by James McGrath, also in your show notes, I believe. Uh, which is uh, Chris Tomlin's indescribable and Doug Chaplin mighty to save. With more sure to come, this is really hard. Uh, uh, really, a hard meme, simply because the number of truly bad
0: modern praise songs is staggering. Okay, also- I don't doubt that point. Okay, I don't doubt the point. I, I do think we should be aware of the songs' lyrics, or you know what the words are, and ideally, it's it's literally scripture or you know closely based on scripture.
1: Okay, so he, he goes on, it's also difficult because the def- definition of CCM, that's uh, Christian Contemporary Music, is hard to pin down. How far back should we go here? Does praise music from the 80s, early 80s count? We need a ruling on this. If the early 80s are in play, the first song that comes to my mind is Blow the Trumpet in Zion by Craig Turndrup, which... Is chock full of fail. He gives the words, and uh, 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 Rob already <laughs> he says gave me the some word fail, right? Yeah,
0: theological fail. But yes.
1: Um, so he. <laughs> oh, now I got to right.
0: Uh, let's see here. <laughs> well, I, I, but that's not, I, I. disagree. Okay, obviously. hang on, just a sec. So, j- but, just sec. but That's wait, wait. okay. If you want to play
1: the song. Okay, okay. so so uh, here are the words to the song. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. The Lord utters his voice before his armies. And according to, uh, who is this? According to uh, Jason Staples. And that is what we call a theological fail. Fail. Let's hear why he says that. This triumphant song actually manages to celebrate and implied participation in the army of locust depicted in Joel 2 the army uh, uh, the army god is sending to destroy his people and his holy mountain the trumpet discuss, discussed in the passage is no triumphant blast, but the warning of a watchman upon a, a, the approach of an enemy or locust. This passage, along with some help from First Enoch, and elsewhere, served as a model for the locust released from the abyss in Revelation nine. And this song is rejoicing in being a part of this army. Seriously, the passage in Joel implores the people to turn back to YHWH with weeping, fasting, and sackcloth, in the hopes that He will turn back from unleashing this army upon his people but this song actually celebrates this army of doom destruction and death i'm pretty sure i don't need a second or third reason for this being a rotten song if contemporary music from the 1983 is out of play i'll pick another from from more recent decades with daryl evans trading my sorrows the current forefront runner in that group uh, and then he tags some people okay so tell us why don't you think that this is a a,
0: a problem First off, it's from Joel too, which I think he correctly points out. And so we can th- read that. Should we read that real quick? This is all – it's all scripture. In other words, there's nothing in this song that is not scriptural. What it sounds like, this author who doesn't like the song, he's interpreting it as a celebratory, triumphant – Well, it decoration. is. You, you just said that you like the tune because it's upbeat and happy. No, I said it's – it. but here, what is it though? I like I oh yeah I, I do like the melody. There's no, but but what is it? I'm singing Joel two verse one. Blow it's literally blow the shofar. It is a call he rightly describes it as a call for Israel to repent. Uh, but let's, that's let's, the let's, point. Are we the one are the we the ones blowing the shofar? Are we the ones calling people to repent with our message? Are we the ones that the, the shofar is gonna catch us while we're in the middle of some sin and we're we're caught on a you know? Are we caught not being like sleeping on the job or are we awake and vigilant and prayerful? This is I why think the okay. affirmation that, that God uh, utters his voice, right? And the Lord's army. This is, uh, I mean, I guess if you want to take it triumphantly, I'm, we're singing it on the, the Sabbath of repent, which is a call to repent. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being confident. In God's called repentance. If you're in Messiah, I mean that the call for repentance is true uh, globally. If you're in Messiah or not, but the confidence is if you're in Messiah, you are happy to be shown if you're in sin, right? If there's if there's a sin in your life, and you, this is the time of year where we typically kind of go, and and really really seek in fasting and in a carrying of a shofar to to. Uh, pray that we would be given repentance, that God would show us that we would be more fruitful for his kingdom, cetera, but don't you even think, for those who are in Messiah.
1: Don't you think the trumpet that we're supposed to be focused on during this time is the coming of the Messiah and not the coming of armies to destroy his people?
0: What's the difference? What's the, the, it says that well, one the, is redemption for his people, one is destruction of his people. 2, it says the day of the Lord is coming. That's the the end of
1: uh, 2, verse 1. Let's read Let's read the passage. Joel 2, 1 and why did, following. Why did John hang the on, Baptist hang say hang... repent for the kingdom is at
0: hand? Okay. Is that different today?
1: Hang on just a sec. Let's read the passage. Okay. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the Lamb tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all the generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. Let's skip down now. We're going to go to... not verse 9 and following they leap upon the city they run upon the walls they climb up in the into the houses they enter through the windows like a thief the earthquakes before them the heavens tremble the sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining the lord utters his voice before his army for his camp is exceedingly great he who executes his word is powerful for the day of the lord is great and very awesome who can endure? Yes, even now declares the Lord. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Uh, so we can stop there. Uh, well, and and rend we'll your hearts, re, yeah. and rend your hearts and your garments. Return to the not Lord, your, not your garments. Uh, and not uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, a, and sure. rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. Um. My ignorance is why I don't like this song. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Until two days ago, when you uh, sent me this link, I never knew that this song was talking about Joel too. I okay, thought that's this. Fair. I, I thought this that's was a jo- fair
0: point that that song I, should be. I thought this was content. a joyful.
1: I thought this was joyful rejoicing in God, not a. Uh, and and that's certainly how the tune is. I mean. Uh, my father has had problems with this, which is why Beit Hillel no longer sings it, or at least, uh, yeah. Uh, but I think that's, uh, it's really misleading. I think the song is misleading. I think that okay. uh, because it's a melody. Or I think of... it's a mixture of melody and the way that he's, uh, uh, put the words together. He never says anything about, come on back, repent. There's nowhere in the song where it says, Repent.
0: Oh well, that's supposed to be what the blowing of the shofar means, but but, but, that's, but that's that's but a fair pro- okay that's a fair criticism, and the, I think if you're going to do the whole context when we're doing it is this is, you know, throughout the whole, all the different worship and where we're reciting psalms and everything. I mean, right? I think it was either the right after this or. After one more song, we, we as a group read Hosea 14. But I mean, the idea of repent and the blow and the hearing of the shofar as a call to repentance you, is you, like oozing you, through the whole thing. But admittedly, even your
1: group didn't yes, connect those dots. Didn't,
0: didn't connect that dot. I, I, I get it. All right. I, I actually, before we're done, and I, I, I think but, this, but also admittedly, the person who had the issue had heard it on the internet. They didn't know how. They didn't articulate the problem themselves. They didn't see the problem themselves. In other words, they had only heard that this was a problematic song, and therefore had kind of made well, kind of thought everybody knows it's problematic. So that that's another area uh, that it wasn't like, hey, uh, do you know this song sends a mixed message? I know it's scripture we're singing, but it seems like we're not singing it for the right reasons. I think. I mean, I've told
1: you this. I think that music in, uh, in uh, service, uh, in church service or in synagogue service or whatever, has really become one of the biggest points of, of division between the body and the Messiah. What do you hear? Oh, uh, d- did you like that church? Well, we went, but their music really wasn't that great. Oh, the music was back in the Stone Age.
0: Or the wor- worship was great. Oh, oh man, no. we
1: went. It was an hour long, and it was just rocking. Right? I mean, these are the kind of things that you hear. I think that it's really uh, a point of split between the body and not something that's good. Let's go to... Uh, now, I, I want to go to... Uh,
0: I want to go to... We've had, uh, over our history, you know, we've been doing regularly Shabbat worship with, with guitar. We usually we have someone, uh, you know, Adam plays the cajon usually, which is the big the box you sit on. Uh, we've had a keyboard with just a piano sound, but it's electronic. And... Uh, auxiliary percussion for the, for pretty much three, four years. And we've had different people complain about different songs that we've done. Um, you know, we've had people, uh, who just, you know, they, they don't, they were maybe raised with a different conception. And I one thing I've learned is that not, you never can make everybody happy. You guys right? don't
1: They're... sing hymns only. What is wrong with you? Right. I mean, I say you guys only sing hymns. What is wrong with you? Get out of the stone age. Right. Okay. So, so let's, let's move. Yeah. Let's move to, uh, it's let's move to, discussion. Let's move to days of Elijah. This one
0: really made me laugh a lot too. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. This guy was a fun to read. This guy's I totally hilarious. Di- I, it's, I totally disagree with him on it. Uh, if I have issues with the, the – I'm more willing to have issues with Days of Elijah than than Blow the Trumpet. Uh, but yet I'm still – as a matter of fact, we say – I think we sang Days of Elijah also on <laughs> Shabbat Shubha. So Listen to this guy. He says, Sunday I was
1: sitting through worship as chipper as can be when I looked at the worship bulletin and then I started laughing and mumbling at the same time. You probably know the feeling – that one contemporary worship that one contemporary worship song with the horrible theology and bad metaphors that just drive you bonkers so after a couple of days of struggling with the title of this meme i went all politically correct again. So here is the meme. He gives the rules for the meme again. My personal favorite is Days of Elijah. My issues with the song, number one, these are the days of Ezekiel. Oh, really? These are the days of Ezekiel? Have you ever even read the first 11 chapters of Ezekiel? Ezekiel is not a nice guy. And let's just say, there are a lot of corpses in the temple by the end of chapter 11. He's not a nice guy. (laughs) I don't see many... I think he means that he killed a bunch of people. I don't see many Christians in the uh, U.S. sitting on the banks of Hebor in exile. So, no, I don't think we want the days of Ezekiel. Not, not for me, anyway.
0: The fields, quote, the fields Let's are. Let's pause there. Let's yeah, pause go. there. So, this first complaint is Ezekiel, really? Days of Ezekiel? Because I think in the second stanza, right, these are the days of Ezekiel. But what does it say? Dry bones becoming as flesh. That's all it is. He's using, the, the, the author of the song is drawing on sure, the a resurrection. story, yeah. right? The, idea, the picture and the promise of resurrection. So, I think that is fun to read as this blogger is uh he's really staring people the wrong way with that one. Anyway, what's the second one?
1: The fields are as white in your world.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, isn't that lovely? It doesn't say <laughs> as white. It's just fields are white.
1: <laughs> uh, Jesus is just coming back to save Europe and America. Lovely. Number Yeah, okay,
0: <laughs> so I think he I think, I think he's I think he's I think this author is black, right? I think he's African American. Probably. Yeah, I think he is. And, and so it sounds like he was the way I heard what he's saying is that the white there, meaning Europe, white Europeans, is that what you understood it to mean? Yes, yes, definitely. That's okay, how he took it. Okay, but the fact of the matter, and here's another issue. John 4:35, he says, "Lift up your eyes, look to the fields; they are white for harvest." And the word leukos in Greek is the word "white," and it's an idiom meaning "ready." The grain is ready for harvest. It's not, it, it's from Scripture. The fields are white in your world, meaning in the world that God made, the harvest is ready. That's what it, the point is, and it's from John four thirty-five. This person, I don't, I, it seems like he doesn't even connect that that's actually Scripture. And he's taking the word white, leukos, which just means white. It's where you get like the word leukemia, right, the Luke. Uh, that... That that's Yeshua's words talking about, it's an idiom for uh, harvest time. So so I would say his. there's a theological fail here on A, his reading of his, his complaint about the Ezekiel, his complaint about the word white, and then what's the third one? I don't remember.
1: And these are the days of your sa- servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. One word, Solomon. <laughs> Solomon,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, so he, his third argument Ooh. is that these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. He's like, well, wait a minute, Solomon. Well, here's here's the fail on his analysis. First of all, Solomon did not rebuild a temple. Solomon built the temple, the rebuilding and the serve, the servant of David is, uh, or not. These are your servant. David is a metaphor for Messiah and all the prophets. Cause the prophets are talking about David. Isaiah does right. Um, Ezekiel, but Dave, King David has already long gone and died. So when they're talking about David, they're talking about the rebuilding the temple and it's about Yeshua saying, I will rebuild, you know, destroy this temple in three days. I will rebuild it. And it's a ha- a house of prayer for all nations, right? This is, uh, Isaiah 56. So the very, the reasons why this is this uh rod from Al- rod of Alexandria. Is that this, yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with him taking issue with the Christian song generally. I think that's fine. The people who put the songs out there are, are available. You know, they're totally uh, candidates for being criticized. I just, I think his three points are way off. They, they clearly misrepresent what the, those verses are actually communicating. I think that's evident. I think that if anybody knows their Bible— will will get that now do the people singing it understand it as taken from scripture do they understand david rebuilding a temple of praise is is biblical prophetic metaphor for yeshua establishing his kingdom do they understand fields are white as oh it's about white people is that how they take it away if so they would be wrong yeah and days of ezekiel um and dry bones of coming as flesh do they not understand this as the promise of resurrection and restoration of God's sure, people? Sure, sure, sure. If not, okay, and so we would say this. We would probably agree that any, any song that we're singing, it is good to give a, a picture of what it is we're singing about. Sure. Um, and here's, here's another example. We, sometimes we, rec- we recite Psalm 92, which is a song for the Sabbath day. Well, it talks about enemies getting crushed, right? Stuff like that. Someone, I mean, that's just scripture. That needs context. Sure. Right? Uh, so just like we saw with the Joel 2, sure, we take these verses out of Joel and we sing them. Well, it's scripture, yes. Are we singing it and are we memorizing it? Yes. Do we understand what we're singing and what we're memorizing? Maybe not and that's the area where I, I think all of us would agree that that but but what does that have to do with? that has to do with the larger issue of illiteracy in christianity sure everybody's got bibles it's not an issue that i'm singing days of elijah and i'm or i'm singing blow the shofar in zion and i don't have a bible it's no the people singing that i would bet that the great great majority of people who sing those songs and know those melodies by heart have multiple Bibles in their homes, and so whose fault is it if they're misinterpreting it?
1: Yeah, that's I agree.
0: An educational gap, um, sure. And well, so, well, and it goes
1: back to ignorance, just like mine, right? I was unaware, like I hadn't read Joel uh, two and put together that, you know, I hadn't connected those dots until you connected them for me. That's ignorance well, on my part. There's no doubt that's about good.
0: it. But but that's there's nothing wrong with being ignorant, right? The whole well, point of no, wait a minute, because you don't stay there. The idea is that there's nothing, it, it's not a shame to be ignorant because the very point of where we are in our feasts coming before Yom Kippur is that is the sin offering pertains to sins that you did that um, the presumption is that you didn't know or you wouldn't have done it, right? The presumption of the sin offering, if you go, it means it's the person who did something that they weren't supposed to do. And then they learned that they, they learned that they transgressed it, right and then they they seek restoration so the point there with the with the forgiveness of the sin is the idea that i've learned something i now know god's law better than i did before it presumes that the israelite if they knew god's law they would do, do their best to to walk in it so the the sin offering is to help that gap in knowledge god does not presume everybody in israel knows all the torah perfectly it presumes that there is a people in charge there is a priesthood that teaches the torah and brings the people to understand what sin is so that they will repent and then they have they grow in their knowledge of god and then they happily offer the sin offering and and grow in their knowledge of who god is and joyfully are restored and participate in fellowship again that's that's behind the whole thing of what it means to grow But if a person keeps doing the same sin over and over and over and over and over again, that is that's a different issue. Sure. Right. Okay. Hang on just a sec
1: now. I I, I know you're you're hitting right dead center. And I like that. But speaking of the Torah, if we're going to uh, hit this at all before Yom Kippur, we need to do it right now. We only have uh, we only have a couple minutes left. So this is going to have to be quick because I only got about 10 minutes before I have to hard stop. Okay. Leviticus 16 uh and we're gonna be focusing on uh 16.8 i'm basically gonna reference my father i'm gonna read something out of my dad's work this is really a promotion for um his his book before we get to yeah, this though that he's in the torah yeah before we Holding get to this though i do want to say that uh the Robin caleb show is not just b- brought to you by listeners like you it's also brought to you by chava messianic radio that's right you can listen to how, uh, Messianic Radio anytime you want on demand. You can choose the songs, tailor everything to your likes and your tastes, and uh, it really is a, uh, a a wonderful website. We love uh, promoting Judah and his uh, and his, the work that he's doing over there. And uh, if you want to listen to music like Days of Elijah or like uh, like Blow the Trumpet, I'm sure that you can Does find he them. Play? <laughs> I'm sure you can. That. I'm sure you can find them. Oh, on, you can
0: request it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you
1: can request, request it on MessianicRadio.com. But if you don't like those. If you don't like those songs or you think that there's something theologically wrong with them, guess what? On Chava Messianic Radio, you can skip it or say that you never want to hear it again. Messianicradio.com. Go there and check it out. Okay, let's quickly go to this. I'm going to read the passage first, and then I'm going to read what my dad has to say, and then then uh, we can we can tie up any loose ends. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Is talking about Yom Kippur. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord the, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast, uh, cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. So the question is, has arisen. What, transla- what translation? This is the in? ESV. So the Oh, question- ESV actually says Azazel. It does. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, my father's notes. This is uh, uh, Studies in the Torah, Leviticus. Volume 3, page 112 and following. Having offered the purification sacrifices and uh, atoned both for himself and for the people, the Kohen Gadol next offers the living goat. The two goats had already been brought before the Lord at the opening of the Tent of Meeting, where lots were cast to determine their res- uh, respect roles. One goat was designated as the sin offering and the other as a as scapegoat, he puts in quotes. The Hebrew for the second goat is la-zazel. Za- la- uh, literally for azazel. for azazel the translation scapegoat follows the septuagint with uh which has up a pop um pa, payo. i i've said that wrong for the one carrying uh, away evil and tawn, well yeah okay well we'll skip the uh we'll skip the septuagint for now the goat determined for dismissal verse 26 the septuagint translates uh, translators may have understood azazel as a az- Eitz azel goat that departs for through azel is uh, is aramaic it does appear in biblical hebrew others have suggested that azel is related to arabic az- 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 azaz meaning rough ground or terrain some rabbinic sources as well as many modern commentators take azazel to be the name of a pagan desert goat demon and suggest that the in- uh, iniquities of israel are carried back to their pagan source via the live goat Though this has become the dominant interpretation among modern t- commentators, it seems far more based upon modern theories of history of reli- religions than upon historical and textual data. The support for the word meaning the goat that departs and the and by extension the goat that carries away evil seems quite adequate. Uh, and then I'm going to skip just a little bit because he's going to go down to what he thinks it means. What is the significance Of this added ritual, if the sacrifices of the bull and goat and the application of the blood upon the mercy seat signal the payment for sin and the propitiation established uh, between God, who is holy, and the sinner, then the then the symbolism of the scapegoat is the removal of sin's ongoing effects. Or, to put it in theological terms, the death of the sacrificial animal speaks to the payment for sin; justification equals declared not guilty. While the carrying away of sin by the live goat speaks to a renewed life of holiness. That is sanctification. Payment for sin is not enough. God intends to redeem a people who through his own grace are made into a righteous dwelling fit for the king king of glory. I agree. Thoughts? Anything to add to that?
0: Yeah, I was just pulling up, uh, intrigued, and I really intrigued by this. So I was just like pulling up different translations of Leviticus 16.8, which frankly I've never really you know, done before, like C. Sure. Um, I know that NASB just says scapegoat and it has a footnote, which I think is what the King James had, was scapegoat. Uh, NIV has scapegoat, um, but, and then with a footnote, but then JPS has Azazel. RSV has Azazel. Net Bible, Azazel, but has a footnote. Uh, Holman Christian Bible, Azazel with the lowercase a and contemporary English version Azazel. So all the Azazels are capital A mm-hmm. except Holman Christian that, that, that I have anyway. Uh, Holman Christian has Azazel with the lowercase a, which is telling. Here's one thing we need to be clear. You see the EL ending and it, you might think, oh, it's like Daniel, Ezekiel, like it's something L or Mike L. It's not that it ends in a, it's a zion tsadi or a zion with a tere and then a lamed so this is not a name like i mean you see azazel it sounds like gabriel or michael or it's not something with the name of god in it yeah, but it's it doesn't not, have yeah. l at the end it just or, or that is it doesn't end with an Aleph-Lamed, like ezekiel etc or, uh, or samuel it's not that. And the, one of the issues, I think, is that the English transliteration, with a, they give it a name with a capital A, Azazel, it makes, it makes my mind think, oh, this is like an evil angel or something, right? It makes me think of like Samael or uh, the, of the mythology of these different fallen angels and stuff like that. And w- right off the bat, no matter what you interpret it as, we have to agree that the Hebrew does not have an Aleph Lamed here. It's Agreed. a different construction, so that's one point we need to make. Um, I prefer the way you know Tim Haig describes this in the commentary that this is talking about. Uh, the emphasis is is talking about a goat that takes away, right? That uh, and that that's an important thing that that we wanted to see in this text, and that's where the the significance is for us. The 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 idea that this is a a goat demon is developed later, it doesn't come, it's not our early, obviously, as he shows, you know, the early Greek translators didn't read this as goat demon, so whatever is in the second temple period, when they're doing the Yom Kippur rite, and these, were if we accept that Leviticus was translated into Greek by Kohanim, right, by priests, and these are, presumably if we accept that general story that they know about the Yom Kippur uh, procedure that goes on every year, that they're not, they don't have in their mind that there's this demon Azazel. Yeah, no doubt. Here's one thing I really don't like is the contemporary English version actually adds the word demon. It says, will be sent into the desert <laughs> to the demon Azazel. That is so wrong. And so the, the word demon is not in the Hebrew. But if someone only read the, the CEV, they would think, oh, this is about a there's a demon called Azazel, probably related to the fallen angels. You know, who knows where their mind is going to go with that? And that's wrong-headed. It's steering people in the wrong direction. So just to wrap that up, I prefer the good old translation that we that goes back to the, the Greek translation of the Torah, that this is a scapegoat and that that's the significance that it uh, has for us. The idea, the later idea that this was some demon in, that they had to send out to um, – is a later idea, and we got to back to our chronology. We got to be really careful of what things we're going to push back in time and, and say that this was an original the original meaning.
1: Okay, <clears throat> well, I hope that you've enjoyed this uh, the uh, quite an interesting talk all the way around of not only Azazel but also of uh, of uh, contemporary worship music. Um, yeah. Don't don't forget uh, also to go over to Yeshua shirts Yeshua and uh, get, yep rob's wearing purple here. rob's new wearing purple. one right now uh, good quality wonderful uh, wonderful people over there and you can uh, get a uh, something that says yeshua on it at yeshuashirts.com start a conversation today also don't forget to uh, do several things that is to call our comment line if you have something to say 2534653205 and send us an email the email address is hag at torahresource.com. It's chag at torahresource.com. We build a lot of our uh, discussions around the the uh, feedback and the emails and messages we get from you guys. So send them on in. And also stop by torahresource.com, check out our new page. Hover over the radio uh, button and go down to The Robin Caleb Show and see our, uh, our, new, our new and improved page. Thank you to Michael uh, for setting that all up for us. Okay, and... Uh, We hope that you will have a wonderful Yom Kippur. Turn your hearts to our Messiah, Yeshua. Know that our atonement uh, is made uh, complete through one person, and that is our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah.